Welcome to the Asset Management Fridays edition of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. Your hosts, Gary Lipsky and Kyle Mitchell, have more than 45 years of combined experience in operations and management and more than 25 years of real estate investing experience. This show focuses on educating syndicators and apartment owners on how to build systems, manage their properties more efficiently, and become a best-in-class operator. 100% straight talk. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to our Asset Management Friday segment of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Kyle Mitchell, also joined by Gary Lipsky. Also, be sure to check out our Facebook group, Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate. How many times have you thought there has to be a better way while working through endless rent rolls and historicals? Enter Red IQ, who will process and standardize them, generate deep and accurate property insights, and bring you through the final underwriting all in just five minutes. As for underwriting, thanks to Red IQ's new Excel add-in called QuickSync, you can continue using your own model and instantaneously populate it with the data from Red IQ with just the click of a button. Request a demo today at RedIQ.com. All right. Today on the show, we have Matt Owens. How are you doing, Matt? Pretty good, man. And yourself? Doing very well. Thanks for being on the show. If you can start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do. No problem. I'm a CPA uh, based out of California, looking to find a way out if I can, given the taxes. But I quit my CPA firm job in 2006 to go into real estate full-time. So I was a real estate genius for about a year and a half before I got punched in the face. Since then, we flipped about 700 houses. We flip about five to 10 a month. We do a lot of value-add multifamily buildings. We do a lot of lending as well. We lend to different flippers in different markets around the country, do some short-term rentals and run a nonprofit that teaches financial education and real estate education without a sales pitch. So it's a lot of fun, a lot better than doing taxes and audit for a CPA firm. And But you know the skill set there plays perfectly into real estate investing in multifamilies because it's all math, of course. I mean, operations is extremely important as well. And, you know, but the math tells you the whole story. So it works really well. And I'm enjoying what I do now and, you know, have a buy and hold portfolio myself too. And it's a lot of fun. Well, thanks for joining us, Matt. Let's dive into initial due diligence and, and how that plays into your asset management strategy. What are like three key things you look for in due diligence that will play out in your operational strategy? So the first thing that I look at when I'm analyzing a new deal is what are market rents at? I really don't care what current rents are at as much. I just want to make sure that what are my market rents so I can see what my cap rate's going to be after improvement. You know, so I'm looking at what is my all-in cost versus what my market rents are and my net income is associated with that building. So real quick and dirty analysis is I go take market rents minus 10% for vacancy, minus 50% for expenses depending on the market and how high the rents are. Some of those could be 40% or something along those lines. And then I got my net operating income. Then I take my net operating income divided by whatever cap rate I need. So if I need to be at an eight cap or a seven cap after improvement, then I divide it by that and that's my net all-in cost. Then I go take out repairs, overhead, and that's my purchase price. So the first thing I'm looking at is market rents and saying, you know, where am I at there? And then I really want to be looking at also the areas that I'm investing in. So you don't want to buy in the hood. I made the mistake of buying in the wrong areas before. And, 
you know, your numbers are not real if your vacancy rate goes through the roof, if your delinquency rate goes through the roof, your repairs go through the roof on a lot of those low-end properties because they don't take care of it and they're judgment-proof. So that quality of the asset is the most important thing before even thinking about buying it in the first place. And so I think that those two main factors are some of the most important things you can look at along with what's happening in that area you know, is there improvement coming? What are the statistics and the numbers and the demographics in that area that's going to make it a viable opportunity long-term versus, you know, just looking at it from a strictly number standpoint, short-term. Make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Are you a big back of the napkin kind of underwriter or are you going through this whole big spreadsheet? So I do the whole spreadsheet, but in the very beginning, when I'm analyzing, you want to be able to quickly analyze properties as fast as you can. So you're not wasting a bunch of time because as you guys know, if you're fully analyzing a multi, you're talking about days and stuff like that of time. If you're going, Hey, somebody sent me a multifamily deal. How do I analyze it? I break down that quick back of the napkin approach to say, is this even worth looking at in the first place? And then where's the neighborhood at? And then do I have a good team and good management in place that can help implement that strategy? So some of the things you learn by investing in a bunch of -of out-of-state markets is your team will break you in half if you don't have a good team. (laughs) So Totally agree. So do you focus on one particular strategy when when you're looking to purchase a property or do you have like multiple different strategies? So it depends. Each individual asset can be analyzed in a different light and you want to have multiple exits, right? So if your goal on something is to improve it and resell it, then that's great. But what is your backstop? What happens if you can't resell it? What is that cash flow going to look like afterwards? And usually I focus on the value add approaches primarily because of the increase in equity that you can build and that buffer room, especially this timing of the market to make sure that you are building enough equity to counterbalance any downside risk with the market. And that's really how you get to those cap rates. Like most of these cap rates in these markets right now of any quality asset, you're lucky if you're hitting a six cap, if not five, and a lot of these higher end assets. And so in order to get to that seven to eight cap where it actually pencils with financing, then you really need to be doing that improvement or finding something where you can increase rents. And 90% of the time, you're not going to be able to hit your rents unless you do that value add. Most things aren't just sitting there fully renovated and just under rented for some reason, unless you got bad management. I've talked to people in the past where they're like, yeah, we're at 100% occupancy and they rent in like, you know, a week every time. I'm like, well, you're under rented, buddy. You know, you should be way up here instead. And every time I analyze those comps, that's usually the case that occurs. So those are good opportunities for us when they're, you know, renting right away. They're 100% occupancy. You definitely rents. Right. It's also hard to sell that to an investor too, when it's just under rented and no improvement. Most of the time when you're raising capital, they want to see the reason why you're increasing that rents to what you're calling market. You can come up with comps and show them what it looks like and things like that and build that backstory. But it's a much harder sell to an investor to show them, you know, hey, no, I'm just going to increase it by 300 bucks a month because it's under rented. I'm not doing anything. They're like, yeah, I'm not sure about that. You know what I mean? So it's a little little hairy. <laughs> are there things that you may find in due diligence that are deal breakers for you? You know, I've had a lot of brokers try to throw in tenants to properties that maybe they're not fully occupied yet. 
and they're, they went through a value add or you know maybe they couldn't get them rented because they need a lot of repairs and they'll just th- throw a bunch of random tenants in there. And so if you see a bunch of leases that are all right at the same time or right around the same you know month of move in and that kind of thing, it makes me very, very suspect as far as their quality of that tenant base. And so I would go through and check those items and make sure, hey, let me go look at their backgrounds. Let me go see if you really did proper qualifications here because that's one of the broker's biggest you know, things they can do to try to dupe you is they know you're not getting financing without it being occupied. And so they'll just throw a bunch of tenants in there, even if they're qualified or not, you know, on a building that might need repair down the line. But, you know, so you got to be real careful about those types of things. I also, you know, you're looking at your environmental reports and those things can be really expensive to get, you know, if there's environmental problems and that type of stuff that can occur. But, you know, that rural nature of properties, really seeing what the demographics are in the area. Some of those can be deal breakers if you're looking at something, but really the math has got a pencil. So, you know, I've had been lied to multiple times on how much construction is needed or, you know, someone told me that, you know, on a building that had 16 buildings that I was analyzing that the roofs were replaced in 2015. And, you know, it was a couple of years ago and I'm like, oh, great, perfect. I don't have to put that cost in there. And then you go do an inspection and you're like, well, if they were replaced in 15, then they did a really shitty job <laughs> or there was a lot of wind because these things are destroyed and need to be replaced now, you know? So that type of issue can come up where you get lied to in different ways and that type of stuff that can be a deal breaker because then if you get lied to one or two times from somebody or someone's fibbing the numbers, you're like, well, what else are you not telling me? What else am I going to find out that all these tenants really haven't paid in a long time and you're just lying on your financials or something? So you know, doing those types of balances and spot checking, did they pay? Do they, do they say they have a balance and that kind of thing? Do they agree with that balance? Those types of checks and balances to help mitigate some of that risk. Nice. And uh, what are some of the tools that you use to implement your operational strategy? So I just sold my property management company and through property management, you realize the importance of efficiency on turnover efficiency on initial maintenance requests, as well as long-term maintenance requests, communication with your tenant base and your investors, and really CapEx and separating CapEx from normal repairs and allocating money for those types of things, because that's your big expense. I see a lot of mom and pop owners buying multifamily buildings that they're like, this thing doesn't cash flow. There's been problems with it. I've had to put money in every year for these stuff. And I'm going, well, that's because you didn't allocate money for it up front like you should have. You know, if you're going to have to replace a roof in, you know, 15 years, then you should be taking that cost of that roofs and also adjusting it for potential inflation in the future for that going up and then saying, what is that monthly that I should be taking out? Divide that by the number of months to replacement or estimated replacement and taking that out for a CapEx each time and having a CapEx chart for your multifamily building so that you can actually say, okay, look, I got to go put aside, you know, $400, $500 a unit per year in CapEx that's going to go into this down the line so that you can really estimate your true even keel cash flow. And so what I do when I'm analyzing these things on the asset management approach, it's really, really important to be looking at your numbers. You know, the CPA and me is coming out going, you know, (laughs) let me analyze every single expense what is that? Is that a contract monthly on the landscaping? You know, how much is my common area utilities? 
what are my major repair items that occurred? Is it continual plumbing problems where I really need to go put money into CapEx? Can I reduce my utilities by implementing a rubs program? You know, you want to be looking at those every single month and not only for improving the rents and decreasing expenses, but also for management problems and management efficiency issues. Because, you know, one of the reasons I sold my management company is the management company that I'm using right now was able to get things rent ready in a week and rented within three every single time because of their, they have tech in place basically to notify every department involved and in-house repair teams that work for them full-time with their own trucks versus outside subs like a whole team of leasing instead of just one or two people involved. You know, so these are the efficiency issues that will really, really increase the value of your building. And, you know, you may not want to implement some of those different strategies right away. Maybe it's, you know, I'm only going to put that CapEx in once I'm ready to sell it or I want to position myself for sale or, and implement a slower implementation strategy if you're going to hold it long term as well to decrease the amount of capital expenditure you have to put into that thing and decrease the amount of investors you have to bring in too. So those are different things you should be looking at, but really looking at your numbers every single month. And then that tells you where your efficiencies are. Looking at the time between notice from that tenant and move out from that tenant and releasing and rent ready time All of those things are massively important when you're talking about efficiency on a multifamily building. Yeah, absolutely. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz and we'll start the conversation. All right, pass it over to Kyle. Let's take it away. All right, Matt, what is your asset management superpower? (laughs) It's being able to analyze the financials and really piece these things apart. And then also structuring in a lot of ways. So, you know, you're managing assets. You're always looking at What is my highest best use of my equity? What's the highest best use of that property at the time? And so, you know, you're looking at all different types of strategies to implement to be able to improve that value. And so looking at every expense meticulously and the revenue meticulously, for example, I have some investors that own some property in Seattle area and they have 42 parking spots that were market rents were 250 a spot and they were charging 100 a spot or 50 a spot. It's little items like that. You're going, well, what in the world? Or, you know, can I get gated access on that spot and get increase in rents for that? You know, you're looking at every possible scenario with every income item, with every expense item and saying, how do I improve that in detail? And if I wanted to exit this, how could I get top dollar? So one of the strategies I've implemented, especially in some smaller multifamilies that have lower balance loans that bigger lenders don't want to talk to, and you're talking about you know local lenders in the area, I love using seller finance strategies because you get top dollar for your property when maybe you're looking at a building that doesn't have a lot of comps in the area and you're going, great, how am I going to get this appraised? There's nothing like this in the area that's fully renovated like mine. And so selling with that seller finance strategy, you're able to sell based on your cash flow. And then you can go take that paper. And I'll usually do like a 
35, 40% down type deal, fully amortized over 15 years because I'm providing something that most lenders will never provide that 15 year paper fully amortized. And then I'm able to go get my price and then sell that paper on the secondary market to insurance companies, other investors and things like that to make that deal work. And so these strategies and alternative exit strategies can really benefit you from banking issues and things like that. That's the biggest issue with commercial, right? Is five-year and seven-year paper when we're at a historically low interest rates. And we all know they're probably going to go rise as soon as everything crashes and burns and they can't prop it up anymore. We'll see if we last 20 years like Japan has so far or 20 years plus, you know, in their environment where their interest rates are almost zero at this point. (laughs) Yep. Keep kicking the can down the road. We'll see if it can happen. So, all right, Matt, well, I appreciate you coming on the show and talking to us a little bit about due diligence. If you can tell the listeners where they can find out more about you. You can go to ocgproperties.com or you can email us at invest at ocgproperties.com. And we help clients from a, a number of ways, from their analysis of deals, from multifamily, single family, repositioning themselves on 1031 exchanges and coach them along the way with all those different strategies and Uh, We also have a lot of assets that we work with consistently and sell properties to self-directed IRAs and 401ks and help people set up that type of strategy as well. So it's a lot of fun when you do all these different deals, you know, but it's a lot of work too. You better have good teams. Otherwise you're dead in the water. (laughs) Yep. Perfect. All right. Well, everyone listening out there, thanks for hopping on. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and give us a rating, subscribe and review so we can continue to grow this audience and this podcast. And we'll talk to everyone next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate group on Facebook so you can reach Kyle and Gary and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, go to aptcapitalgroup.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Gary and Kyle, sign up on the contact page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.